glass, ice, pour. Hello and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. I am your host, Ryan Charles Brown. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of this journey uh, and discussion about how men can be active participants in dismantling toxic masculinity. Uh, we've had quite a few episodes uh, so far in this uh, in this season, and uh, looking back, uh, I'm just so thankful for all of my guests and for all of the deep conversations that we really had. You know, this podcast has been taking shape uh, over this first season, and as I reflect back on it, I'm just so grateful for the the deep conversations that I've had with all my guests about this topic. And um, what I want to talk about today, uh, because I don't have a guest, is uh, how uh, this conversation about toxic masculinity and about how men can become better men is starting to make its way into mainstream media. Um, I had a couple of uh, a couple of my listeners uh, send me a few uh, things in my email, uh, which was really cool um so i want to talk about a few of those things and uh i've got a couple of things that i'm looking to share uh, that i'm excited about uh the things that are coming up uh that that uh toxic masculinity uh, is making its way into media and other forms as well so uh yeah i just kind of wanted to jump right into it the first thing that i was sent to uh is from one of my loyal listeners who also happens to be my father-in-law which i think is really awesome um but he sent me this piece uh that pbs did on uh, on masculinity um and it was this uh this 10 minute video uh talking about um you know this new study uh that came out in 2018 uh by the American Psychological Association that uh did a, a 13 year study on boys and men and, and basically compiled 40 years of research uh and and put out this really comprehensive um informational guide on you know boys and men and what uh they've discovered you know uh, after studying them for so long some of the inherent traits that uh that kind of make up masculinity and some of them that are really harmful so i thought that was really fascinating that he sent that to me, and so uh, some of the things that I, I was really interested in, uh, they highlight in this piece uh, the British rock band Idols, and um, they specifically do a nice interview with their singer Joe Talbot, and uh, Joe opens up a lot in this interview about uh, during a, a time of loss uh, in his life, two specific times of loss, he felt. Um, that he wasn't able to accurately convey his feelings to his loved ones and it was causing him a lot of internal pain and internal strife. And he was really asking this deep existential question to himself, why am I not able to communicate these deep hurts that I'm feeling right now? That was something he was trying to get to the bottom of. And uh, what he realized is that he was brought up in a culture of masculinity that didn't allow him to have access to that, uh, that type of um, emotion and into that type of uh, expression of emotion. Uh, and so what he did is he, he entered therapy. And, you know, he actually says uh, that he realized that he had a lot of learning to do. And in, in referencing therapy, he said it was the best thing that he'd ever done in his life. Uh, and I really resonate with that because, you know, I interviewed my personal therapist, Dr. Carl Totten, uh, earlier in, in this season. Um, but the work that him and I have done together, specifically with connecting with your inner child and really being 
open and honest and vulnerable with yourself uh, really opened me up to be able to communicate better uh, or at least have the ability to communicate better. I, I still have opportunities. <laughs> Even It's funny, as I say it, I have... Um, you know, I, I have that sort of voice in my head, that ideal man that you could be better, you know? So it's really funny that even, even, I think that's an opportunity that I have as a man, even as I'm trying to give myself credit, uh, I still cut myself down a little bit. And I wonder if there's other men that are out there that do that same thing. So, you know, that's even like real time, something that I'm working out in myself, even if I, as I give myself credit, uh, I still have that little voice that says you could be doing better. Um, but anyway, that aside, tangent aside, um, I think I, I, the work that I've done with Dr. Carl has given me access. And also uh, some, some of the things that I've talked with with my, my wife, my partner, Jen. Um, she, Allison Armstrong is someone that I've talked about. Packs for Men um, is something that I've referenced on the show. That really also gave me a lot of access to language. And, and I think that's what Joe was talking about a lot in this interview is that therapy gave him access to language to be able to talk about feelings and emotions and be expressive. Uh, and when you're able to do that, uh, it really is connecting you. Uh, it, it gives you a, the ability to connect deeper with people. And so what he talked about uh, with their shows now is, you know, he he actually, there was a clip of him getting emotional on stage and um, really the music in the, in the, the concerts that Idols uh, put on now, uh, they're really, you know, Joe talks about there's space for people to come and connect and just kind of let loose, but to feel connected and to sort of escape toxic masculinity, which I think is so fascinating because they are uh, a really kind of a rock band, a heavy rock band, and so a lot of that music is usually associated with a lot of aggression, but I think it's interesting that he's he's taking aggression and putting a healthy spin on it as it's more of a let's like jump it out and raise our fists and yell really loud, but like let's not punch each other or, you know, take out our aggressions on one another. Like if you have, if you're resonating with the music and you want to just like throw up your fists and like scream out the lyrics, like I think that's what he's all about. Um, and then doing that in the community, you know, I think when you see other men who are also just like, you know, doing the same thing, you are screaming out the lyrics, uh, raising up your fists, you know, stomping up and down, whatever you got to do, you know, um, to, to be able to express that, that emotion and anger that you need to get out in the moment, but then also not to do it in a reckless manner. I think that's, that's the overall theme is, is that when, when men don't express our emotions, we, we, we participate in very reckless behavior. And I think it starts internally. I think it starts with food, you know, honestly, truthfully, I think that's the first thing. That's the first reckless behavior that men participate in is we eat really bad food, you know, so our bodies, um, start to deteriorate or we, we participate in healthy behavior by, by overdoing things like even like working out, you know, when we become overly obsessive with things like, uh, I don't want to call out CrossFit, but that's just the first thing that comes to mind. When we become overly obsessed with those things, like it can also become toxic, right? Those, those things can also breed toxic masculinity. So I think when you have that balance, you know, of healthy expression, and I think, I think that's what Joe is trying to say with the music, and I think that's what this piece was getting at, is that men need a healthy outlet for expressing their, their masculinity or their frustrations, excuse me, um, because that's frustration and anger. That's a part of masculinity, but it becomes toxic very quickly. 
quickly when it's not expressed uh, or put out in the right way. So I'm going to put a link to the video in the show notes because there are a lot of things that are really good uh, in terms of the study that they did with the APA. um, And and they give a lot of statistics on suicide, on cancer, on uh, heart disease, and all of these things that um, are... Uh, that men are prone to that have now been linked to these characteristics of traditional masculinity that have been harmful. And some of these characteristics are the men who's very stoic, disassociated, very pensive. Men who exhibit these qualities on a regular basis, that sort of traditional masculinity, uh, this idea they talked about of the West, the, the John Wayne. I've talked about the Marlboro Man, the, the fact that I think the Marlboro Man is dead. Um, not that he's, you know, I just think that identity is gone and I think it's been replaced, it needs to be replaced with something else and I think that's taking shape right now. So the, the film references the Gillette ad, which is something I talked about in the very in, in the intro and I talked about with Dr. Uh, Dr. Heldman. Um, so there's a lot of uh, tie-ins and things that we've been talking about here on Whiskey and Ride in the documentary in this little 10-minute uh, piece um, that, that's out. So I'll, I'll make sure to put that out there. Um, and, and again, I think the, 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 the takeaway from that um, is, is trying to find, you know, what is your relief uh, if you are feeling frust- frustrated or anger or sad or depressed? You know, what is your relief if, you know, for Joe, uh, it was therapy. For me, it was therapy. Um, for others, it might be uh, meditation. It might be yoga. Uh, it might be going to concerts or festivals. But I think the the thing is, is uh, the, the important takeaway is to not carry this burden alone. And uh, if you can carry this burden with a professional, like a psychologist or someone who is trained in mental health, I think that will that will help alleviate some of the burden quicker. But if not, at the very least, like carry this with a family member, a friend, a confidant, college roommate, uh, someone from your fraternity, from your country club, from whatever business partner whomever it might be, it could even be a very unlikely person. Like maybe you have a relationship with, you know, you work in a big corporate setting, maybe a relationship with someone who's, you know, in maintenance or what, whatever it is. And you, you connect when you're having a smoke break or, you know, you see the same person at the coffee shop, whatever, like, um, you know, sh- share these things. I think that's the thing, you know, and if, if Joe, <laughs> if Joe Talbot, you know, this front man of a really heavy, a really heavy, aggressive rock band can stand on stage in front of a few uh, thousand people and actually break down into tears because he's so overwhelmed by emotion, I think that means anybody can can feel free to connect with their emotions. So I use that as an encouragement, not as a shame. Uh, I just encourage men to uh, seek help when you are feeling, uh, you know, anger and frustration. So uh, this is a nice transition because a lot, uh, a lot of what Joe was talking about, you know, he said he had a lot of learning to do, and then he talked about opening up and connecting with his feelings. This ties into a, a thing, um, another uh, uh, article that was sent to me by uh, my dad, actually, who was a former guest, Gary Brown, um, he sent me an article, uh, that was, um, uh, it was a piece that, uh, uh was written about Brad Pitt, who, uh, was doing some press for his new film, Ad Astra. Um, and if there are any movie folks out there that know the story behind Ad Astra and how it became created, I would love to know because this article hinted that Ad Astra was, um, 
was was greenlit a lot because of Brad Pitt's influence. So I would love to know more of the story behind that. I didn't have time to dig into the research on that, but if there's anybody who listens to this podcast is a big movie buff who goes into that research, I would love to know the story behind that. I would love to know uh, in what ways Brad used his influence, hopefully in a positive, it sounds like in a positive way to get this movie greenlit. So I would love to hear about that if anyone has time to do some research on that. Um, but one of the things that um, I found interesting about this clip um, and that my, my dad said is that he he sees this film as kind of a father-son odyssey. Uh, uh, the, the trailer, uh, I believe the movie uh, came out on the 20th, so I think it's out already. Uh, but I haven't seen it, but I've seen the trailer and, and you know, the trailer looks like he's trying to carry on his father's legacy, who is this deep space traveler. And, you know, there's a lot of things in that um, about men in isolation, uh, you know, deep space travel. Um, they send them off by themselves, you know, so there's a lot of, there's there's a lot you can talk about in there. But um, what, what I thought was fascinating, uh, so I still have yet to see the film. Uh, I'm not sure how much they're going to emphasize the father-son thing, but I think that's really interesting. And, um, what I so to be determined on that, but what I was interested about uh, the article that my dad sent me is, uh, and this is also something that Dr. Heldman was uh, tweeting about. We talked about on Twitter, um, is that Brad was opening up about the importance of being vulnerable and and sharing your feelings and connecting. And and I I put a quote up on the Instagram. Um, I should have written it down, uh, but it's something to the effect of. Uh, paraphrasing when you when you connect with your loved ones in your vulnerable way you are able to experience a, a richer form of life like think about it like if you look at a uh, think about when you have a, a cold or a headache or something and you you're out you know imagine you go to the beach or whatever and you're just kind of like ah I'm not really feeling the scene you can't really open your eyes you can't really experience that. everything looks kind of hazy but then imagine when you go when you're feeling your best you know you're with friends that you really love and your eyes are full and you're just having a good time and you see the beach and it's just the colors are vibrant and the sand feels great I think I think that's kind of what he's alluding to in terms of being open and vulnerable and actually experiencing life and it's I, I think what I what I wished Brad was would have referenced um, was uh, the work that Brené Brown does on courage and vulnerability. Brené Brown, um, she wrote a great book called Daring Greatly. Uh, she also has a special on Netflix that I highly recommend you watching. Um, but uh, she talks a lot about courage and vulnerability and about how they go hand in hand and how you can't have one without the other, about how the courageous are vulnerable and how the vulnerable are courageous. You know, it's not a direct quote, I'm paraphrasing, but but, you know, I just, I think what Brad is referencing in his article is a lot of that foundational work that Brené Brown has done uh, in talking about being open and honest and vulnerable with your closest, uh, with your with your closest circle, the people that mean the most to you. I think, you know, when you do that, you're able to experience a richer form of life. And so uh, kind of piecing this together with the article from PBS, I think, you know, if you're looking at maybe a progressive timeline of how you might handle some internal struggles or how you might uh, start to become this person that's a little bit open and, and vulnerable, maybe the best thing to do is to start with a neutral third party that you can talk with who's not someone who you might feel judged or might feel try to give you, who, who might try to give you like a prescriptive answer or, or unsolicited advice or whatever. Uh, kind of like what Joe Thorpe did, or excuse me, Joe Talbot did with uh, seeing a therapist and then he was able to open up and be more expressive through songwriting. You know, I don't know Brad's process of how he came to this point where he's starting to realize like, hey, you know, maybe being more open uh, with my loved ones will help me experience 
experience a more vibrant life. I mean, he's, I think he's 55 now. Um, it, it could just be life that he could be at a point in life where he's exploring his, or it, it kind of hit with his own mortality and exploring new ideas and just made him tired of doing things. But, you know, I think what it shows is that someone like Brad Pitt, who, um, has lived a very, um, life that one would consider privileged, but we don't know what his day to day life is like. So we could say that he lived a privileged life, but we don't know we will never know because we're not him and he'll probably never tell us because he seems like a private person. But, um, unless he wants to come on the show, Brad, I'd love to have you on the show if you want to come and talk about it. Um, but I, you know, I, I think what it's, what it, what he's showing is that no matter where you are in life, no matter what you've experienced, you can begin to look at things differently. And, and I think when you begin to look at things differently in terms of how vulnerable you are with your closest uh, friends and family, uh, I think you will begin to experience life in a different manner, even just exploring those things, like even just asking yourself, like, what would it look like to be more vulnerable with my wife or with my kids? Um, you know, because sometimes maybe you are vulnerable with your partner, your spouse, or and maybe you're not with your kids or maybe you have a business partner that you feel like you could do something really great with in the company, but you're not sharing your concerns or you're not sharing them with them. So the relationship could be building resentment. You know, these things with men, they start really small, really, really small things then become really big. And before you know it, you know, we're lying and concealing and all sorts of things. So, um, so, so just in the same manner that small things can make things go in a negative way, small things can make things go in a positive way, I feel like just as fast. And so that small thing can be stepping into a conversation with a neutral third party. Uh, again, doesn't have to be a therapist. I feel like it maybe should be because sometimes like your bros or uh, your best buds or even your wife, spouse, partner, um, they, they might not be... Um, the the right neutral party you know what I mean not that they're not qualified um you know where I live in Los Angeles a lot of our friends um uh, it just seems to work out this way that some of some of them like either spouse is either a therapist or a life coach or something and it's funny neither of like no one that we know is like yeah yeah my wife is also my spiritual advisor my life coach or whatever like even Jen my wife was uh we were trying to have her as I was transitioning careers like she was my, my wife is an unbelievable career counselor manager she's so gifted at what she does. And so as I was transitioning careers, I was like, this is great. I've got an in-house career, you know, guru who can help me get the, the most amazing job ever. And, um, it just because of our relationship, I wasn't able to receive the type of advice that she needed to give me in order for me to be successful. Um, so, you know, even though, it's amazing the progress we did make and I, and I attributed a lot of that to her, to her, uh, because, you know, some of those conversations that we had about doing, you know, me doing career stuff and what I needed, like, I just wasn't able to hear some of those things and she had to deliver those hard truths that then once I stepped into my sessions with Dr. Carl and with other, you know, career folks, they were saying those same things and it was like, okay, it reinforced it. So it's not, it's, it's the thing that I say about that is to not say like, I, I, my point is, uh, 
my wife had great points and she was she was 100% right but I needed to hear them from someone else so even if you are having conversations with someone that's close to you and they're saying things that are right and you're just not able to hear them it's important to get them reinforced by someone else so okay that's my, that was a long pitch on on therapy uh, but you know I'm action based and uh, I just feel led right now to encourage men to talk with someone else and both Joe Talbot and Brad Pitt uh, two men that uh, have been and in industries that are uh, just riddled with toxic masculinity are talking about opening up and being more vulnerable. I think that's really awesome. Uh, but I also think that those men are just continuing a message that has been put out there by people like Brené Brown and other women who are um, encouraging men to be the best version of themselves by being courageous and, and vulnerable and being um, but yeah, you know, being, yeah, being the most courageous person they can be by being vulnerable. So one thing, um, that I forgot to mention, uh, that I guess I'll just highlight as kind of like my, this is sort of like something I'm excited about. So I'm going to talk about a couple of things now that I'm looking forward to in terms of, uh, masculinity and the toxic masculinity conversation. First thing, um, there is a, a an organization in the piece uh, that TBS, uh, PBS put out called, uh, a call to man. And one of the things that this organization works with is, uh, it's run by this individual. Again, I'm going to put this in the show notes. I was watching this really quickly as I was putting Reese down for a nap. So I was just taking some brief notes, but one of the things that really struck me about this organization is who works with athletes, um, you know, regular men organizations. But one of the things they talk about is male socialization and how male socialization can be harmful to women. And I think, in terms of like domestic violence and sexual assault, uh, recently in the news, um, if if you're following of if you follow athletics, there's a wide receiver from uh, was just released by the Patriots named Antonio Brown, who's had two sexual assault allegations come up against him, um, and. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about what this organization talks about in terms of male socialization is how. Um, in thinking about this athlete who has uh, who's been accused of making these tweets, have been doing these these sexual things, he's not the first athlete to do that. Um, when I think about a culture of accountability, one of the things that this organization talks about is that men who are silent about those who commit sexual abuse and domestic violence um, hold some of the accountability for the continued acts of sexual assault and domestic violence. So what... I want to unpack that a little bit because that might sound a little like, whoa, but what, what this person was talking about as they preface this is that most men will not be sexual abusers or sexual will commit sexual assault. Most men won't uh, commit domestic assault or domestic violence. However, if you know someone who is a repeat offender of domestic violence and sexual assault and you don't hold that person accountable, then you do have some responsibility for the continued sexual assault and domestic violence that this person continues to um, can, 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 can just continues to participate in. And I thought that was really interesting because men are socialized not to talk to other men about our behavior we're not supposed we're not supposed to 
tell other men when they're participating in sexual assault and, and deviant sexual behavior that it's wrong. But I watched another documentary on Netflix this, uh, this week called Roll Red Roll, and it highlighted the uh, rape trial of two high school uh, football players from Steubenville, Ohio. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting in this documentary is that there was a text message sent from one of the... So, so let me back up. So this this case uh, was, was very interesting because a lot of the timeline for how they pieced the assault together was followed on social media. So there was this party that was happening. There were these several parties that were happening um, these individuals are tweeting about it. They're posting on social media. They're posting on Instagram, Facebook, talking about all these things. A second party happens. Some things are going down that are bad. People are tweeting, wow, there's some stuff that's going down. I don't know. There's some crazy things happening tonight. At the end of the night, this woman gets sexual assaulted. Um, and as they're following the timeline, you know, these boys are posting videos on YouTube about it. They're tweeting. They're making fun of this woman. All of these bad things. So no one steps in. People. So the point is, people know this is going on, and no one is stepping in. Like, hey, why is like who who? And, and they even say in the documentary, like, no one played the hero. So many people knew that there were not good things happening at parties, and no one stepped in and were like, hey, we shouldn't do anything about this. And I think part of that is the socialization. These are football players. They're socialized into a community that, that's the brotherhood above everything else. Um, so they're socialized not to say anything. But at the end of the documentary, so I'm watching this documentary, and my heart is broken because I'm just like, ah, how could this, you know, this happen? Uh, justice was served in a bit, you know, but they, we, we still don't, this young woman's life was ruined. And um, I still, you know, they still opened up investigations on things. It's, it was still really, it, you know, draw your own conclusions, uh, roll red roll on Netflix. Uh, I recommend you watch it. Um, but at the end of the documentary, they highlight this one individual who sent a text and was like, Hey, what you did was straight wrong, like, like straight up wrong. And they were even like, you know, they said something like, I'm going to choke you out. You know, next time I see you, like, you know, which I know it sounds like a, like a verbal, like a threat of violence, but like, if you get the spirit of it, right? Like I'm, that's probably not the best way to handle it, but the, the, the severity of like, just saying like, that was not right. You know, if, you know, finally there was one person said that was not right. And this same person was actually shown on a YouTube video telling people to stop laughing, to stop making jokes, that this is not right, that someone was assaulted, that, you know, and so, um, I think what this shows, and in, in, in this kind of ties into this uh, this organization called a call to man, is that this socialization, this male socialization, of uh, being silent about domestic violence and sexual assault, needs to stop because. Um, one one thing that that was really interesting in this documentary is that as this woman's story came out, a lot of women um, were coming out saying like, "Yeah, I've also been assaulted," and they were they were finding camaraderie and in, in being able to finally share their stories. But I would I would have loved to see uh, a group of men say, "I'm going to come out and say I know that so and so has been participating in this, and I know that so and so has done this." Not ratting out their friends, but holding accountability. That's really what it's all about. If 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 we we live in a time now where if 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 you feel like you are unable to like talk to the authorities or whatever um, about what your friend is doing, then you need to talk to them. 
you know, we this isn't about just like ratting people out and getting people arrested. This is about having conversations and re-socializing men to be able to talk about um, domestic violence and sexual assault with other men because, like I said, a, a majority of the men will not participate in this behavior. But if we don't talk about the negative effects of it and if we don't hold other men accountable, then it's, the situation's not going to get any better. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for improvement. We're looking for decreased sexual assault. We're looking for decreased domestic violence. And what we're seeing is an increase, especially in professional athletics. We're seeing an increase of domestic violence. We're seeing an increase of sexual assault so we need to we, we need to reverse that trend and i think that starts with re-socializing men to be able to talk about it so that's the point re-socialization of men to be able to talk about that um so a couple of things that i'm excited about um that that are also coming out on netflix one of them's out already um i want to watch the documentary that chelsea handler just put out called uh Hot high privilege it's chelsea i think that's what it's called so i'm looking to um check that out from what i've heard uh that ties in a lot of the conversation that i had with andre henry about confronting white privilege and what that looks like um and so i'm looking forward to seeing chelsea spin on it she's a comedian she's someone who has that sort of dry sense of humor but at the same time she's so real i appreciate that about sarah silverman as well um the, both of them, I think, are leading this uh, conversation about healthy masculinity, doing it in their own way. Um, but I would love to see more men um, champion what the work that they're doing. So I'm going to check out her documentary. Um, at the very least, you can learn something from it, even if you don't appreciate her brand of comedy. At the very least, you can learn something from it. So I'm going to check that out. And then, uh, and uh, yeah, and obviously an open invite, Chelsea, if you want to come on the show and talk about it, I would love to have you. I think you're amazing. Uh, and thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, another uh, thing that's coming out on Netflix that I'm super psyched about is there are a few more seasons of a show called Big Mouth. Um, Big Mouth put out by Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Again, open invite, Nick, John, love the work that you're doing. All the other producers on the show, Maya Rudolph, um, all the other folks love the work that you're doing. Would love to have you on the show to talk about it. Uh, but Big Mouth is coming out, and in season three, they have an episode on toxic masculinity. So I'm sure it's going to have a satirical spin to it because everything on the show is up and over the top. Um, but I'm interested because, again, th- what I've just shown in this in just this episode are four instances of masculinity, specifically toxic masculinity, making its way into the mainstream media conversation. And again, doing what we're trying to do here on Whiskey and Rye, not, uh, not shape masculinity in a way that uh, emasculates men, but uh, really is an invitation for men to think about ways to participate better in healthy masculinity. So all of these things are invitations to get the toxic masculinity conversation uh, in in a way that's comfortable, in a way that people feel like, oh, it's happening on a regular basis, um, as as a way to start to begin to piece together healthy masculinity. And I think as as masculinity and and healthy masculinity becomes more accepted in in the larger narrative, things like whiskey and rye and the conversations that we've been having all along and the things that I'll be talking about with my guests will uh, just will be va- will be available readily available right there for people to uh, be able to uh, join in and, and just be a part of that so I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, the, the the little 
glimpses of toxic masculinity coming into the media, especially in people like Brad Pitt and, and vocalists of other bands. I know there's tons of other people out there who are doing other things. So um, these few things, um, you know, the the PBS uh, clip and the Ad Astra uh um, piece. Those are both sent to me, one by a very dedicated, loyal listener, Brian, my father-in-law. Um, he sent me the PBS clip and then my dad sent me the Ad Astra clip. And so, um, if there are other things out there that you're interested in, you can always send them to me. You can email me whiskey and ripod at gmail.com, or you can connect with me on social media. Both those things are in the show notes. Um, because I enjoy doing these sort of grab bag mailbag episodes in between guests. Um, I do have some wonderful guests scheduled and coming up. And, and even as I was watching this PBS little clip, I was, um, writing down some of the folks that were on there that I hope to get on the show to talk further about what they're doing. Because again, this documentary, uh, mini documentary, only 10 minutes long, was just filled with so much information about the topic that we are discussing regularly here on the show. And so I would love to fill out the conversation by getting some of these folks on. So fingers crossed for that. Um, and uh, and yeah, so we're looking forward to things going forward. So uh, that's all I have for this week. Um, because, you know, again, like I said, no guests this week. So just looking forward to uh, getting uh, a little bit of one-on-one time with the listeners and, and getting to share some things that are um, that, that, that are, I'm really excited about. Uh, so that will wrap up this week's episode. Um, I, I'm going to have a pretty extensive show notes for this episode because we talked about a lot of things. I know I talked about Netflix a lot. I wish I was sponsored by Netflix because I really do use them as a pretty, um, they, they have so much content on there that's helpful for the show and that, that really ties into our conversation. So, um, I know I talked about them a lot, but they really are a great resource for me. And, uh, a lot of the stuff that I find on there is pertinent for me to talk about here on the show. So, uh, I'm gonna have pretty extensive show notes. Uh, and, uh, so make sure you view those things. I really encourage you to check out the documentary. Um, and then, uh, make sure you're caught up with the other episodes of Whiskey and Rye. Um, Andre, Steve, uh, Jamal, Mari, uh, and then you know, don't forget the you know, go back and re listen to some of the older episodes. Dr. Heldman, you can listen to them back to back now, which is really nice. Whereas before, you had to wait for that second part to come out, so you can listen to them back to back. Make sure you check out part two, my episode with Dr. Heldman, uh, and also Dr. Tottenham. Um, and uh, yeah, just really enjoyed uh, the work and the progress that we've made so far. So make sure that you uh, are keeping up and uh, checking back on all those last episodes. So, thank you as always to the deep west for providing the awesome music to this podcast and if you want to contribute to uh the whiskey and rye podcast financially you can do so via paypal and venmo and i want to thank everyone who's contributed to the show already uh this has really helped me have the time to be able to do things like research some of these episodes and get some new equipment i'll be getting new equipment over the next couple of weeks so thank you so much for uh providing the resources for me to be able to do that uh so you can find the links to download in the show notes as well. That'll be all. I want to thank you for joining me. I raise my glass to you. Cheers.